Welcome to Jim Galliano's Building a Better Web Presence podcast. Build something better with less moving parts, less overhead, and less headaches. Hey everyone, this is Jim Galliano, and thanks for joining me for today's podcast. As the intro says, less moving parts, less overhead, less headaches, and with apologies to the grammar police, that about says it all. Everything you could ever want in a successful business that ticks those three boxes. I mean, who wouldn't want that? Now, if you're a first-time listener or you have a poor memory, I'm Jim Galliano, and I started in the online business world back in 1998. It was a really long time ago, and I've been online since the very beginning. And over that time, I've had the opportunity to test drive all of the popular business models out there. I built a digital agency and a publishing business And today I have to say that one of the biggest problems that I've personally seen or that I personally recognize is the fact that almost everything is way more complicated than it needs to be. And if getting started is half the battle, that half is also becoming increasingly difficult for a lot of people that are out there. Now, when I say everything is being made more complicated than it needs to be, part of the evidence of this is the fact that an entire software industry has sprung up around this belief of making things complicated. I mean, there's an app for everything. And there's a belief, it's no longer a growing belief, by the way, but there was a belief that buying software and building a business are basically one and the same thing. Like buying software would sort of be like building, buying building materials for a home or for an office. But that belief, let me just say it like this, there are cracks in the foundation that are beginning to become obvious to more and more people. But none of that's really our problem. And that's going to play out as the market begins to correct itself. And we're seeing a lot of the software companies go out of business, especially the smaller ones. However, that doesn't mean that small is bad. It's not really whether we're talking small or bad, like dark and light, good or evil, good or bad. The thing is, you can be, you can enjoy the benefits that come with having a big company, the pros, while remaining small. So if you're the type of person that really believes that you can make a great living without employing an ongoing full staff of people over the long haul, then you're in the right place. And believing this is really important because on a gut level, when I first started in this business, I didn't believe that. Deep down inside, I believe that in order to be successful, bigger was better. Bigger was necessary. And I found out through living through it that that just wasn't the case. Now, before we go any further, if you haven't already done so, go ahead and sign up for my brand new newsletter. It's called the Digital Strategist Newsletter. Very simple newsletter. It's available at jimsnewsletter.com. And strategy is something that I've studied for a long time. It's something that's been of interest for me for as long as I can remember. And especially now when we're talking about business, when we're maybe talking about a smaller, less imposing competitor that's able to outthink and outmaneuver a larger, more established one. That's what I'm talking about. So go ahead and check that out at jimsnewsletter.com. That's jimsnewsletter.com. Now, back to what I was saying about maybe small being the new big. Today, even the biggest companies have problems keeping talented people on board. And that goes for the biggest companies in the world. So with that in mind, why would you, as a smaller company, want to put yourself in that position unless it's absolutely positively uh, necessary? So for example, 
maybe you find some super talented person or people, but the truth is, is that eventually, at least 90% of the time, that person or those people, they're going to want to go out on their own and do their own thing, unless maybe you can make them really wealthy. But in the past, it used to be that the easiest way to keep people over the long term was to pay them really well. But even in the tech space, that's really no longer the case because many of the big earners have left companies like the bigger companies like Google and Facebook and Microsoft and others because they were dissatisfied with their life there and with the day-to-day operations of being in that kind of atmosphere. And they went on to do their own things. And that's one of the reasons why I think that over the past five years or so, smaller boutique type companies or businesses have done so well, because it's a different type of lifestyle. It's a different type of, of feeling than it is working for this large corporation that, well, even though they may have uh, profit sharing and all kinds of benefits, the pros and the cons, when you look a little bit closer, the cons become a little more pronounced than, let's say, if you just look at that situation from a distance. So, for example, you might think that well, it would be great to have someone, especially if you're here in the U.S., handle your uh, health care, to have a health care plan in place. So, you know, you look at a big company like that and you think, okay, well, that will, that's worth X amount of dollars per month. I'd rather be in that kind of situation. But then the people get in that situation, yes, their health care may be taken care of and there's some other benefits, some investment benefits. But then what they discover is that there's a lot of unhappiness. There's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of burnout that happens as you experience doing this job day in and day out, week in and week out, month in and month out, and you feel like you're sacrificing the present for the future. And of course, there is no guarantee for the future. So in essence, you're sacrificing your life in the here and now for something that may never be. And that's an experience that leads to unhappiness. And that's why I think there's just so much burnout with some of these larger companies. So having a smaller but very profitable online business, it is very doable. But what happens is a lot of people find that there's a disconnect between reading how it's done, talking about how it's done, and then going out and doing it for themselves. So if you're a solopreneur, I think you'll, or a small small business owner in general, I think you'll be able to relate closely with what I'm going to be sharing with you today. So let me start by talking about some business models and the labels. Let's just start there. Actually, a freelancer, that type of business would be a good place to start. Now, business growth is something that when you really get right down to it, it's really something that should be planned for because in a lot of ways, it's like buying a home for your family. Even if you're just a family of two people right now, a, the home is a place where it has to accommodate the needs of the individuals, the needs of the family. And a lot of times those are growing needs. Those aren't static needs. And a business needs to work the same way. It has to accommodate the needs of its investor, even if that is just or investors whether it's one person or more. Imagine one person living in a 10,000 square foot mansion by themselves and they don't have any help at all. In other words, imagine that house sits on, let's say, several acres of property 
and they have to do everything from the mowing of the lawn. So I guess if you're going to mow several acres of property, you're going to need a tractor. It's probably going to take several hours out of your time every week, except for maybe in the winter time. And then inside that home, think about all of the dusting, the vacuuming, the washing of the floors, the things that you would have to do to keep things up. Because if you don't keep up with things, eventually things just kind of disintegrate on their own. Isn't that true? Weeds start to grow up, all of these things happening. And if you could afford the home and the taxes, I'm sure that if you were in a 10,000 square foot type of mansion, you'd have your own landscaping crew or company that came by and you'd have a cleaning service maybe of some kind, even if they weren't there every day. But why would you buy something that big to start with? unless you have a larger family and or were planning to host a lot of guests, have a lot of company ongoing, kind of like a revolving door, people coming and going all the time. And when it comes to planning out a business, I think the process is really just as involved, if not more so, than planning on building a home for a family because it's the upkeep part. It's that part that's responsible, I think, for more small business failure than a lot of people realize because they build something that they can't keep up with, that they can't maintain. It's like one person trying to run three or four different departments in a single store. Think about that. A physical store, you're one person, you're trying to do everything, you're trying to stock the shelves, you're trying to answer questions, you're trying to check people out, and eventually what will happen is things will fall through the cracks Clients, customers will become unhappy, and they'll go somewhere else. Now, for example, if you own a digital agency and it's just, let's say, you, or maybe you in even one other person, it's a lot easier if you're going to plan to think like a freelancer than it is to think like an agency owner and to follow, let's say, a traditional type of agency plan. And it doesn't matter what label really you put on your business. I know people, labels are really important because some labels make you feel a lot better than others. But for the sake of planning, I think you have to be brutally honest with what type of business it is that you really have. And you have to recognize the fact that I know that some freelancers, they don't want to be seen or labeled as freelancers. They want to be labeled as agency owners or entrepreneurs or solopreneurs. But if we put the hyped up labels aside for a minute and just deal with the facts... If there's no business without you, it's just easier to embrace the, let's say, entrepreneur or solopreneur uh, labeling and then start planning accordingly from there, from that position. And so if you're an individual and we're looking at, let's say, some of the most popular business models out there for solopreneurs today, the business models that solopreneurs are using to make money in the online world, what would we have? What are we actually looking at? Well, let's look at four different business models. Let's start with the affiliate business model. And this is often a model that beginners choose because you can get started really fast. You don't need to create your own products. Instead, you use you know a unique tracking link that the company gives you, and you use that link and you promote other people's products. So when someone buys a product through your link, you earn a commission. And that can be as little as, let's say, 5% or 10% especially if we're talking about um, sales on physical products. But for digital products, you can generally expect to earn between 50% and up. In some cases, I've seen even 75 or 100% commissions on some lead-in products. 
And that's great. And that's really, there's a lot of pull towards that business model. And it's obvious that you can see why. But if you think about the downside, if we're, let's just say we're thinking about your future right now. I'm talking about what types of business models are out there for you to maybe borrow some of the, I don't want to say that you're going to like pick one lane. I know I'm a, I'm a big fan of picking one lane and taking that lane as far as you can. But if that lane is a slow lane, if you happen to be in the slow lane or it's a slow road, then it really becomes sort of enticing to kind of look and see what's going on over there, you know, on the other side of the fence where the grass looks a lot greener. And you see this affiliate business model. We don't have to worry about product delivery. You don't have to worry. You don't have to worry about a lot of things, but there is a downside to it. Here's what the downside is. Someone else gets the mailing list. They get the back end profits, which is where most of the money is made uh, in affiliate business on the back end. And big picture, it's better to have people promoting your products than it is for you to promote their products. So just to say that as a blanket statement, it's better to have people promoting your products than for you to promote their products. That makes sense, doesn't it? Because for whatever reason, maybe they decide to pull their product or change how much money that you're going to be making from that product. I know a lot of people that were making money as Amazon affiliates were becoming increasingly unhappy over the last several years because what they were making was was shrinking. And you have no control over that. And so that's one of the things that you give up. Somebody said this a few weeks ago, and I couldn't have said it better myself. I wish I, I would have written the quote down. But basically, what they were saying was that if something is easy to do, then obviously there's going to be a lot of people doing it. And the most successful, most gratifying things that you can do in business aren't easy to do. And therefore, there's fewer people doing those things. And so I think the true path of success in, in the big picture will eventually be you doing something that isn't easy for a lot of other people to do. I think that's where the ultimate success is found. Okay, let me just push this affiliate business model to the side for a moment and let's look at it another business model, very popular with solopreneurs. Most of you who are listening today, this is your business model. I'm talking about the service business model where you provide a service. And very simple, very straightforward. You take your skills and you sell them to others. So you may offer services like ghostwriting, copywriting. You may be a web developer, a designer, maybe you program software apps, maybe graphic designer, photographer, uh, virtual assistants, videographer. I mean, there's, the list goes on and on. You can just check out Fiverr and you can see all of the different services that are being sold online. And there's other skills that business owners may want or they may need. Now, the downside of this model, a lot of you are familiar with, and that's because it's kind of like a job because you're basically trading time for dollars. Although you do get to choose when and where you're going to be doing the work. So there's that business model. Next is the, for lack of a better way to put it, let's just call it the guidance model. And this is where you directly help people through uh, things like coaching and consulting. You guide them, in other words. And yes, this is also trading time for dollars as well, which is the downside of this business model. 
However, there are ways that you can multiply the number of people that you serve, uh, a, a one-to-many approach, which is the approach that I teach. And also, it could be a high-end type of offer, so you can make a, a good living using the guidance model. And then, of course, there's uh, another one that I want, very popular, which would be the information products or the courses model. That would be the fourth one. And that's all about creating and selling your own information products, especially courses today. You can sell reports, videos, access to membership sites, and more. And uh, in all cases, the key to to being profitable here is to have a setup that's mostly to fully automate it. So if you have an automated sales system, then you would have a setup that might include something like some kind of a lead offer to get people on your mailing list and then maybe a low cost or front end offer. And that's what turns maybe someone who's just a, a prospect, sort of like a tire kicker into a cash paying customer. And then on the back end, you have the higher priced, maybe like a foundation offer or service and with multiple other products in there. And this is also really a very popular model right now. Uh, one of the things that I believe where this particular type of business is going is at least how I see it, how I run it, is just to simplify the approach by creating a webinar as your lead-in. And it doesn't have to be a long webinar. It doesn't even have to be a direct sales webinar. It can be an information-based one. And that will do a lot of the heavy lifting for you. It's all automated. So from there, you can offer low, medium, or uh, premium-priced products. So when we look at all of these different things, we may ask the question, which one should you choose? Probably you're already in one of them. But if you look at this list really carefully and you look at the pros and the cons, I think that you'll find that you're better suited for some than you are others. Because everything has a pro and a con to it. But some of the cons are a lot easier to digest than others, depending on your personality. There's other business models out there that solopreneurs, uh, small business owners are involved in. For example, there's people out there buying and selling uh, physical goods, and they're on sites like eBay and Etsy. And I even sell things myself on Etsy from time to time. But I would suggest that you stick with uh, the four that I mentioned because in over the long term, like I said, you're going to have to sit down and figure out which is the best method for you. And I find that the physical product business, having been in it myself, it does not fit the less moving parts model. <laughs> it does definitely does not. And you're really relying on certain services that you need to be able to reach people with these physical products online. So I know we're, we're always relying on other services. I know we can't always do everything ourselves or have complete control over the whole process, but certain business models give us more control than others. So if you just stick with those uh, four, the one that I want to concentrate on is the, the information model, because I think in the big picture of things, well, let me just, let me just keep going with where I'm going. I don't want to go down the side trail right now, too early to do that. But you don't want to trade, uh, if you're already trading your time for, for money, time for dollars, then if you think about how you can balance out your business by creating something one time and getting 
paid for it over and over again. And in this context, we're talking about an information-based product. It could be a simple course. Then I think that in the long run, creating marketing and selling information is probably going to be the most profitable type of business model that you might be able to, let's say, bolt on to a service business if you already have a service business. Because you own all of the assets, such as the products, the mailing list, it's all yours. And you have a lot more options on which direction you can steer your business in in the years to come. Hopefully you'll be around. So, And when we get to this understanding, this is the part where it gets really easy for people to veer off and go down the wrong path. Let me explain what I'm talking about. Uh, because many people are operating what you might describe or we might describe as an underdeveloped service-based business. So they're not making enough money and they're trading their time for dollars. And they can't seem to be able to grow their business by charging people, let's say, what they're worth. Now that is a fixable problem, but fixing that problem requires people to do things that they're not always comfortable doing. Let's just leave it at that. Let's not try and assign blame to the business owner or to the business model. Let's just really simplify it by saying it's a fixable problem that not everybody is willing to or able to fix. But there's another problem here that's almost never addressed, and that's this. Deep down on the inside, I think a lot of people that sell services online, they discover that as they go along, as they get more experience, that they're only comfortable working with so many people. Because we talk about how many people you're able to work with, how many people you're able to serve, and then we talk about things like scaling from there, how to add more people on, how to get the help that you need to grow your business. But the problem that's never addressed is deep down inside, there's a lot of people that just don't want to do that. They don't want to work with a lot of people. And the dilemma is this, if you really don't like working with a lot of people, let's say that you like working with maximum a dozen people or 20 clients that really don't bother you a whole lot. And then when you do the math, you realize that you're going to need five times that many clients or customers to be able to meet your financial goals and objectives. So you're kind of stuck in a loop here because if deep down inside you really don't want to work with a lot of people and the only solution to your problem is to work with more people, then you're in this loop because your emotional part says, you know, this business is really starting to suck. I don't want to do it anymore. But the logical side of you is saying, hey, you know, we need more money and there's no clear exit here. So what I'm talking about is creating a hybrid type of business that will give you the exit that you really need. So that's why I'm talking about information products here. The fact that you're just one person isn't lost on you. You understand that, but it may as well be lost on you because here's what happens. Like the Chinese proverb says, the man that chases two rabbits catches none or catches neither. So if on one hand you feel compelled that, wow, you know, I have to grow my freelancer business or my agency business where deep down on a gut level you really don't want to work with many people, maybe you're unconsciously self-sabotaging your business growth. I don't know. It's really not important to figure out whether you are or you aren't. What's important to figure out is 
What's the next step going to be? You've got to be practical about it. So if you're putting your effort kind of sort of maybe into growing a business that you're really not that happy with, you might be trying to, on one hand, grow your freelance business, but then on the other side of the coin, you learn about the affiliate business. And you think, wow, it would be great to be, instead of getting more clients, it would be great to get that income that more clients would give me, but get it from the affiliate business model. So what you've done is you've created a hybrid type of business, and that's perfect for a lot of you. It's perfect for a lot of you because it's not that you hate the service-based type of business. It's not that you hate working with people. It's just that you hate working with a lot of people or the number of people that the math says you're going to need to be successful. And it's not that you want to walk away from that. That's where, that's where the problem happens. But when you learn about the affiliate business, you think, wow, this, this would be great. I would love to be able to make up what's missing in my income by having affiliate income come in. And so this is where the chasing two rabbits problem comes in, where you catch neither. So some of you, what you're trying to do, in essence, is to build two different business models simultaneously, and it just isn't going to work. You're trying to build a solo, let's say, agency business, and at the same time, you're going to be trying to build a course or information type business. You're chasing two rabbits. And what many solopreneurs end up building is a hybrid type of business, multiple streams of income that make up the whole. And for a lot of you, that is like, that's, that's your paradise. Because it's like not having to settle for one thing. And especially for creative people, creative people, I don't know what it is. I don't know if boredom is it or not, or if it's having certain abilities that are no longer being used, if that makes them feel maybe not so great. I consider myself a creative person. I have trouble really understanding how those things work sometimes. <clears throat> but also the the thing that gets lost on us, the things that we forget is that as we're looking at these two different paths, we forget that the one, we're one person. And we believe, whether we're conscious of it or not, that we can juggle doing two different things. And so we spend part of the day going down path number one and part of the day going down path number two, and we never really get far down either path. And so a lot of time passes, and we really don't have a lot to show for it. So one of the ways around this is to hire temporary help to get your new income generator launched faster. This is what I suggest is something that I've done. If you have two, let's say, income streams, you have your main one, let's say that's bringing in 75% of what you need, and it's just you are not breaking that ceiling. Maybe it's 70%, maybe it's even lower, maybe it's like 50%. And you getting to 100% just seems like you might as well try and climb a ladder to the stars. You're just not going to get there. So you start looking at some of these other business models. There's nothing wrong with any of this. You have to, if you're, you're thinking about opportunity, you have to keep your eyes open. But the problem happens is when you identify the opportunity, but yet you try and straddle the line of keeping what you have going while you're building this other thing. My suggestion is, and as outrageous as this may sound to some people, is... Forget about, now when I say forget about, I don't mean neglect your clients or customers. 
but put all efforts, and let's say you're in a service-based business right now and it's generating half of what you need or 70%, can't get any bigger, put all efforts on building that business up on the shelf for now. I know, again, some people will say, Jim, that's crazy. I did it myself. I did it for over two years, back in 2006 to about 2008, about midway through 2008, 2009. The thing that shook me out of it was the, um, the Great Recession that started back then. But I put my business on hold. I decided that all I'm going to do is I'm doing zero outreach, zero marketing, the only clients, new clients I would get is people that contacted me, and I was going to be proactive about almost nothing in my business. In other words, no email marketing, no, hey, how's your business going to clients? Just when they contacted me and asked me for help, I would give it to them. Otherwise, I was out of that lane completely. Now, I wasn't building another business at the time. I was just enjoying life. Now, I know that may sound crazy to some people. But I was just at this point in life. I had just gone through a divorce in 2006. I was on my own again. And I decided, you know what? I'm just going to kick back and I'm just going to do what I want to do. I'm going to go on an extended vacation. I'll tread water with, with my business. And that's what I did. Now, in hindsight, I probably wouldn't do it that way again. I definitely wouldn't. I wouldn't, spend, I wouldn't waste the time that I wasted. But... Using that grass is greener over on the other side analogy, by taking a few years off and just enjoying life around me, there was a few things that I, I learned firsthand, and that is doing nothing really isn't as enjoyable as it may appear when you're doing a lot. You know, again, the grass greener on the other side. The other thing is there's not a whole lot of people that you can do things with because everyone's busy trying to with their own work, with their own jobs, with their own careers, and with their own businesses. The only people that are hanging around are retired people. And even the retired people are busy doing other things, it seems like, these days. And that was back in, I'm talking about 2000, between 2006 and 2009, I guess. But the, uh, the point is, is that if you, you can only chase the one rabbit, you can only chase the one thing. And so mentally, you have to prepare that you're going to put your focus on the one thing that you have in front of you. And if that's too overwhelming for you, then go ahead and get whatever help you need, buy whatever product you need, do the research that you need to get the thing done. Okay, there are three basic parts to the information business. We're talking about starting something new. We're talking about focusing just on this one thing. And I'm talking about information for the simple reason that you're going to own it. It's your product. You have control over everything from the pricing to the advertising. And you're looking for something to make up for the fact that maybe you've taken your existing business model. In a lot of cases, it might be a service business as far as it can go. And you're looking to supplement your income by creating a second income stream. Okay. I don't want to repeat myself, you know, ad nauseum, but I just want to make sure that you're up to date on where we are in this process. So we look at three different things when it comes to the information business. There's the offer that we're going to make. There's a list of people that we're going to make that offer to. And there's the traffic. Where do the people come from to get started with? All right, let's talk about the offer. The first thing we need to decide is what we're going to create, what we're going to offer to our audience. And we can really make this simple, especially if you're first just getting started. 
we're not looking to hit a home run right out of the gate. The first website you designed, the first sales copy that you wrote, the first graphic design that you did was probably very simple compared to what you're capable of doing now. It's the same way with the information business. We're going to start out and keep it really simple. Maybe you don't need an LMS. Maybe you just need a membership area with some videos in it or a simple download. People tend to bite off a lot more than they can true then they can chew and then they get overwhelmed and then they get discouraged about it. Start out simple, just like you do with everything else. So the easiest way to get started with information products or courses is to look and see what's already out there, what's already selling, and then go ahead and base yours on those topics, but make it a little bit different. What do I mean by making it different? If you buy a product, I'm sure there's something missing from it. Make sure that's not missing in your version of that product on that topic. Or you can add a bonus with it. Maybe it's a special report. Maybe it's a template of some kind. Maybe it's a series of videos. Maybe it's a Facebook group or a, some type of forum that the person can become a member of. In other words, just put a little extra out there. A lot of times when we first get started with any kind of business, we find ourselves in a place where because we're an unknown quantity, because we're brand new to this new thing, then it's great to over-deliver a little bit, even if it's just a little bit, and be available for people. One of the things that I like to do is make myself available. And now you would think that I'm a, I do a lot of consulting. And so I make myself available to answer questions for people. Even if they buy an inexpensive course of mine, I'd make myself available. If you email me, I'll take the time to answer your question. Now, of course, I can't write a whole book back. If you want a whole consulting session, that's a little bit different. But if I can answer a question for you simply, I'll take the time to do it. Now, if you're not a consultant and you hear somebody say that, you may think, well, I don't want people just like knocking on my door all wanting free advice. Believe me, if you're talking with other business people, people who already have a business, they don't have the time to be doing that. Maybe if you're talking to somebody who's always getting started but never doing anything and is still working a job you know, for somebody else. In other words, they haven't committed to building their own thing yet. They, they don't have skin in the game. Maybe those kind of people might waste your time. But I have to tell you that what my personal experience has been is that if I offer to answer your questions, very few people actually take me up on it. Even people that spent money with me. <clears throat> I don't know what it, the psychology behind it really doesn't matter to me anymore because I've been doing this for over 20 years. So I'm just telling you like it is. Some people may need your help, but they'll, even the ones that probably should be asking you questions won't for whatever reason. They just probably won't feel comfortable doing it. But there's all kinds of little extras and things that you can put in there. You don't have to make this a high ticket offer. The idea here is, is that you're building a new income stream. So you start it just like you start everything else. You start at the beginning and you keep it very simple. The, uh, the one problem that a lot of people make is their first course. They try and build something that's huge, that's all-inclusive, that's all-encompassing, and then they burn out. They burn out because they don't know, what do I produce next? What do I add on to this? I've put all my best information in a product and I'm selling it for $97 and I really don't have much else to add to warrant a higher ticket like 1000 or 2000 or 5000 or or whatever. So start 
small. There's nothing wrong with that. We're, we're talking about long-term here anyway. Now, here's the thing to remember. With all of the possible income streams that are out there, the ones you stand to profit from the most over the long term are the ones where you do the work once and you get paid over and over again for that initial effort. <clears throat> Excuse me. And let me just reiterate here that even if you have all low ticket information products, let's just say you decided that I'm just going to write Kindle books. That's, that's, go that's how I'm going to do it. Think about it like this. If you write one ebook and you have it for sale on Kindle, maybe it does well, maybe it doesn't, maybe it gets lost in the crowd or maybe it goes viral, who knows. But you know the odds are, the odds are that by the time you've written your sixth ebook and you have six of them for sale, that people are gonna start seeing you in a completely different light. Because the way it is today, just how a lot of people experience it, how it plays out, is that, well, let's use design, for example, of this. A designer that has an entire portfolio to show people, they're generally going to attract more attention than the one that has maybe one or two items to show. So today, creating a volume of work is often what it takes to raise your profile. So even if you had, let's say, two or four simple information products that you put out a year, how many information products will you have in four or five years? Or two or three years? Do you see where I'm going with this? So don't look at something as being too small or not worth your time. I have one website that makes me money every single month. I'm not going to tell you exactly what it is because they don't want competitors, but I sell ad space on it. And it's in a unique niche. And every single month that money is there. And I think I probably invest, let's see, up between updating plugins and creating new ads, I would say a minimal amount of time, not even 15 minutes a month do I spend on it. And it makes great income. This is what I mean by having something that you do once. But what happens a lot of times is that people build something that's so complex because they think they need something complex in order to get people's attention. You don't need complexity. You may need volume, but those are two different things. It may be something like if someone comes to your website, someone comes to your company site, and they see you have one booklet, let's say, for sale. They leave with a certain opinion. If they go back and they see you have five booklets for sale, or 10 booklets, or 20 booklets, now, when you hear this, you think, well, that's right. If I had more, if I was bigger, it would be better. But recognize this. You're still a solopreneur. You're still a solopreneur. Well, Jim, then aren't you saying that bigger really is better and a smaller isn't? No, I'm saying that in order to enjoy, to enjoy the pros and the cons of having one business model over another, there are certain concessions that you'll have to make. Because you are a solopreneur, and maybe don't have the big budget that somebody else may have, maybe you do move a little slower. Maybe you do produce content not quite as quickly. The fact isn't the speed. The fact is the, it, it comes down to the fact that you keep doing it and that you're consistent with it. You start a new blog, 30 days from now, you may have one or two posts up there. 60 days from now, you may have four posts, five posts. 12 months from now, 
You get where I'm going with it. Two years from now, three years from now, I know everyone wants everything yesterday, but the fact that people are investing all of their time, I have to tell you that this year, 2022, what are we, two, two months, might as well say, two months are in, are, are in our rearview mirror. So let's just say for the next 10 months, a lot of people will spend the next 10 months of 2022 looking for shortcuts. They will burn 10 months of their time experimenting with things that promise to move them quickly that won't move them quickly at all. Let that sink in for a minute. And not only will they waste 2022 looking for shortcuts, but they'll waste 2023, 2024, and before you know it, they'll have years of burn time with little or nothing to show for it. What I'm suggesting to you is that Yes, you, maybe you have a service business, you're making some money, and I know that you wish that you could have the money that you need more than you need yesterday. I know telling you that it may take you a year to do this or six months to do this or three months to do this will just seem like it's too long. And that some of you may be tempted to go and look for a shortcut because someone else will tell you, well, here's a really fast way to do it. Yes, there are simpler, faster ways of doing things, and that's why I'm telling you to create a small product to get started with because a small product will create some cash flow, especially once you solve the traffic problem. Remember, this business is made up of three different things. It's made up of the offer, it's made up of the list, and it's made up of the traffic. If the offer is good, it'll work with a dozen people just as well as it will work with a thousand just as well as it will work with 10,000. What we need to do is, once the offer is created, we need to focus on building our list and getting some people to be able to see that offer. Those are the other two components of it. So the, one, the biggest problem that I hear most people talk about is the traffic, getting traffic to their offers. And let me tell you, that's much, it's gonna be much easier for you to do when the bulk of your day isn't spent exchanging time for money. Being able to focus on things like list building and traffic is going to be much easier to do when your energy is not being burned exchanging time for money. So the fact that you don't have a full-time income yet or what you need in your service business may be a blessing in disguise. Because having the money you need may mean very well mean that, especially as you're set up and how your pricing is, that you may be working yourself to death. So to accomplish this, we need a plan that's highly focused, one that we can execute in a short amount of time. And now I'm not trying to give you a shortcut here. I'm just saying that highly focused is much better than scattered, isn't it? And focusing on one thing is better than focusing on five things. So we need one simple offer. We need one simple product to get started. So whether you've done this before or not, maybe you start out with a simple how-to product. How to get this result or how to get this result in a specific amount of time or how to get this result in three easy steps. And then you go ahead and you record your whatever the three steps are or whatever the four steps are. You put a conclusion, you put an introduction ahead of everything, and there you have it. Here's how to get this result. So if I was going to teach someone how to set up something for the very first time, 
I would simply introduce the topic. This is what we're going to learn. This is what we're going to cover. Let's get started with step number one. Here's step number one. This is what you want to do. This is what you want to watch out for. This is what you don't want to do. There's no reason to do this, but do this instead. Okay, great. Now we're done. Let's move on to step number two. You do that for all three or four steps. If you have more than four steps, then maybe this shouldn't be the simple product that you're making. We're talking about simplicity here to get started. And big picture, could you do this several times over the next 12 months? Absolutely, you can. So make it a simple how-to product, how to get this result. If you're not good with graphics, whether you're going to make it an ebook or some video recordings, go ahead and hit someone up on Facebook to do the graphic for you. There's plenty of great designers out there. If you don't know any on Facebook then uh, or on LinkedIn, if you're on LinkedIn, then hit somebody up on Fiverr. Just type in what you're looking for. Make sure there's plenty of examples of past work so that you can see what it is that you'd like. If you have some colors already in mind or some design that you really like, share that with the person that takes care of your cover. And make this just a very inexpensive product. Maybe you start with a simple $10 or $15 product. And also, instead of investing in expensive software or membership tools, you start with a service like Plug and Paid. You can do a search for them and look at what they have to offer. Or Gumroad.com is another one. Services like these will handle the payments, they'll handle the product delivery for you, and they also have the ability to have an affiliate program if you like the idea of having others promoting your products down the road. And that's how you get started. Remember, we're talking about gradually building up another income stream for your business that's automated and doesn't require for you to trade time for money. And there's nothing wrong with trading some of your time for some of your money, but not all of it. So... And like the services that you've learned to deliver over time, this is only going to get easier for you as you create your next product and your next and your next. Okay, let's go ahead and put the bookmarker in it there. That's about all for today. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you think it will help a friend, please do go ahead and share the episode link with them. Share it on Twitter, share it on Facebook, wherever you are. Or send them to jimgalliano.com forward slash podcast. All of the episodes are there. And that's about it for now. So thanks for listening. Have a great rest of your week. And I'll talk to you later. Bye.